last, or a couple of the last verses in Esther. Uh, We left off here last week, and if you remember where we are in the story of Esther, of course, Haman has made the decree that uh, through the power of the king's authority, that on such and such date, at this time, all of the Jews in the entire Persian Empire are going to be wiped out. They're going to be destroyed. And Mordecai hears of that, uh, and obviously all the Jewish people know because it is, again, it's, it's a public service announcement. Everybody is, is being known uh, that the Jews are all going to be destroyed. It's, it's out on the social media, it's out on the news, it's on the TV. Uh, it's everywhere uh, that the Jews are going to be annihilated on a certain date at a certain time. And so obviously that brings them much grief and stress, and, and Mordecai uh, is grieving about this. Esther has been sheltered in the palace. She has not necessarily heard this proclamation yet. So she calls Mordecai and, and, and calls to him and sends a messenger and asks what's going on. And he explains the whole thing and then says to Esther, you need to be the one. God may be putting you uh, in the place that you are in the palace for a purpose, for a special purpose to deliver your people, uh, for him to use you uh, to bring a, uh, about this deliverance and this salvation. And, and obviously Esther is hesitant about that uh, because uh, those that go to the king have to be called. They cannot just go. They cannot just present themselves to the king. They have to be called. They have to be summoned. Uh, and it's been quite a while since Esther has seen the king. And so Esther is nervous, obviously, and says, I don't think I can do this. And so Mordecai obviously sends back and says, this is your purpose. Uh, Don't think that God can't raise up deliverance from somewhere else, from another person, through someone else. But he says, Esther, this is your purpose. You're there in the famous last words of verse 14 for such a time as this. Uh, And so look at verse number 15, because Esther will answer Mordecai again. And verse 15 says, Then Esther bade them return, Mordecai, this answer, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. And so we have reached the pivotal moment in the story. If this is a movie, this is this is the, the pivotal moment in the story. It's 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 where the fate of the hero and the good guys all rests in the balance based on the decision that Esther is about to make. Uh, Mordecai has challenged Esther to the purpose that God has called to her. Uh, that all she had been given, the opportunity as queen, the riches, the influence, the the power possibility of coming before the king was for this moment and she had a decision would she keep it for herself and be selfish and enjoy it in the moment or would she give it back and surrender and sacrifice and Esther has to make that decision and so in the verses that we just read we see Esther making that decision we see uh, that she requests of Mordecai and her people the Jewish people to do something, and then she is going to do the same thing herself and all those around her, and that is she's going to spend some time fasting and praying. And and in the story of Esther, remember, we said that in, in the entire book, God is not mentioned directly one time. 
He's not mentioned directly one time. His name is not mentioned. There's no mention specifically of someone talking to him. There's no mention of someone specifically hearing from him. But this is the closest that we get to actually seeing God in the book of Esther, uh, his evident working. This decision uh, to fast and pray uh, by Esther and Mordecai, and God seems to unveil the shadow of his working just long enough uh, that we see his people turn to him in their hour of need. Uh, even though he's not mentioned directly, we see that in their hour of need, Esther, Mordecai, and the Jewish people will turn to God knowing that they need his leading and his direction. And we see the results afterwards. And, and I'll be honest, and those of you, uh, you may be able to relate to this, but in one of the hardest things to do um, when it's not clear uh, what the direction is, uh, one of the hardest things to do when it's, it's not evident that God is working in your life, one of, the, one of the hardest things to do when you can't see that path to what your purpose really is, um, and it's not clear that God is speaking, and, 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 and spiritual things seem to be, uh, for lack of a better term, they seem kind of meh in your life. One of the hardest things to do is to keep on praying. One of the hardest things to do is to be consistent and faithful in a relationship with God. Uh, because in those moments, and I'll be honest, I've been there more, more times than I care to admit, but I've been there in those moments when it seems like God is not working and it seems like he's not speaking and I don't seem to know what the direction is or what my purpose is. And I, am, and I know in my, in my mind that I'm supposed to keep praying, but it just doesn't seem like it's making a difference. It doesn't seem like it's, it's worth it. It doesn't seem like uh, there's a point uh, to what I'm doing. Uh, and, and just like Esther and Mordecai face a pivotal moment in their story at this time, where Esther has to make a decision about what she's going to do regarding the dilemma facing her, there's a pivotal moment in our story as well. There's a pivotal moment in what we have to decide to do. When we get to that place where there's an opposition in our spiritual life and we, we don't know what the direction is, we don't know what the purpose is, we, we don't know where God is or what, he, what he's doing for us, the pivotal moment in our lives comes when we have to decide what we're going to do next. And most of the time, as we've seen Esther over the last few weeks, we have some kind of basic idea that God is in control. You know, um, that's all you see on social media right now for most of your friends. Uh, God's in control. So we have some kind of basic idea that God is in control. Um, we can see the, the markers, the signs that we looked at a few weeks ago that God is still working. The spiritual warfare and, and the, the opportunity to be a blessing to others and, and the moments to step out in faith. And we can see those and, and, and even at times we're, we're, we're taking them. So we know that... And then as we looked at last week, we, we know that God's blessed us with all that we have and, and we know that we ought to give back to him. But when heaven is silent and we're not connected spiritually like we have been or we thought we were, then what? What's next? We're, you know, we're, we're talking about Esther, and, and I'm just going to take Esther as it's written, um, and not to say that there 
haven't been other times in Esther and Mordecai's life where they've talked to God, where they've prayed. But as it is written and recorded for us to read these many years later, there are no other instances of communication with God. There's no evident speaking of God to those that are involved in this moment. And in this story, uh, it just seems like God is there watching in control. We know, we see him, his, his, the behind-the-scenes sovereign and providential working of God, uh, but we don't see him or hear him speaking exactly and directly uh, to Esther and Mordecai. And yet, at this most crucial moment for Mordecai and Esther, their choice was still prayer and Fasting, And so I want to look at that today and how that can help us as we uh, try to find God's purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us. And we thank you for the freedom that you offer us in this country and the opportunity to live here, to worship you, uh, to praise you, to read your word. Father, we thank you for those that serve now and those that sacrifice and uh, put their lives on the line that we may uh, have this opportunity. Father, we, we thank you for those that have given their lives the ultimate sacrifice and who have served over the years uh, for us to be free. Father, I pray that you please speak to us in this time. God, we, we need you. Uh, we acknowledge our need for you. We acknowledge that we can't, can't learn. We can't grow. Uh, we can't know what we need to know uh, in our relationship with you without you. And so we ask that you'd speak to us in this time. Father, I pray that you give me the words to say, and I pray that you would work, uh, Lord, in our hearts. Bless the service to follow, that you be honored and glorified, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Now, how many of you have uh, you watched the Olympics and you watched the track and field events at the Olympics? Anybody in here? Okay, a few people. Um, and obviously, when you're watching the track and field, the fun ones, it's the, you know, the, the fast races. If there's anybody in here that would honestly say you watch, you know, those marathons, or the speed walking, uh, then we'll have to talk because you have problems. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but most of the time, you're, you're watching the, the races in the track and field, and you're watching the guys, you know, maybe it's the 100-meter dash, the fastest guy in the world, or you're watching the, the, um, the relay races where the guys have to run around and pass the baton off, and really cool stuff. But there's a, uh, another event that is quite interesting uh, because it's something that I'll never be able to do, uh, and that's the high jump events. Um, and, and you've got two different high jump events. You've got the regular high jump where guys will start back and they'll run as fast as they can and they'll just jump themselves, launch their body over a pole, a bar that's usually set about seven feet up in the air. And they'll just clear it with no ease. Um, you know, the, the world record, I looked it up uh, earlier, the world record for that kind of high jump, where you're just running and jumping and going over it by yourself with no other help, is eight feet, eight feet in the air. Um, so again, that's something that none of us will ever be able to do. Um, and then there's the other kind of high jump, uh, that's the pole vault. And the pole vault, um, has, has anybody ever pole vaulted before? Anybody in here? No? Okay, we're not athletic enough. All right. Uh, the pole vault is the one where you have to run, you got the big long pole, and you stick it in the ground, and then you have to use that le the leverage of that pole to launch yourself over a bar that's usually set about 18 feet in the air. Uh, and the world record for that is 20 feet, uh, the highest pole vault. And so, you know, about two-story house, you're going up with a 
little tiny bowl. Um, and when you watch those, you know, it's, 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 it's quite amazing. But you realize that the person, the guy that's doing the regular high jump, who's just running himself with no pole, is probably not going to be able to clear 18 feet without a pole. There's a reason why they have the pole. And I think way too often in our own lives, when we come to pivotal moments like we're looking at in Esther, and we come at moments where there's a wall in front of us, and there's no way around it, there's no way through it, there's no way under it, the only way that we're getting past this is to go over it. And for us, many times in our spiritual life, uh, we think that we can be like those high jumpers and we're going to run and we're going to run as fast as we can and then we're going to jump over this thing and clear it, no problem. But for most of us, we're going to run as fast as we can in our own strength and our own power and spiritually, we're going to jump two feet in the air. And that's it. Even if we could, even if it was a, a seven feet, you know, the, the world record, eight feet of the high, regular high jump, we're not going to be able to clear that. Or even if we think that we have it all together and spiritually we're something. We got a relationship with God. We're good. We pray. We read our Bible. We come to church. We look good. We smell good. Um, maybe we, we, we we're pretty confident in our physical abilities or uh, our, our, our personal character by ourselves and our, our just ability. And we run as hard and as fast as we can in our own strength and power. And we're going to jump over. And maybe we can even jump seven feet. But the problem is, most of the time, the bar is at 18 feet. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter how high or far or hard you run and jump. You're not clearing 18 feet by yourself. And for a lot of us, we have come to that moment in our spiritual lives. I know I've been there. I more more time more times than I care to admit, and don't want to remember for sure, where we're we're facing an obstacle in front of us in our spiritual life, and we try to overcome it. We try to get past it in our own strength and our own power. You know, and we look like we look like we're playing Mario, and he's just jumping up against the wall. You know, it keeps coming back down. We can't get over it. Why? Because we don't have the pole. See, God has given each of us a spiritual pull that is not our own power, that is not our own strength and ability to be able to overcome those kind of obstacles, to be able to overcome that life, that our purposes, that block when we're confused about where God is leading us and where God is directing us. He's given us a pull that we can get over that, not in our own power and our own strength, but through what he provides, and that is through prayer and fasting. Uh, God's given us a point of contact with him where earth can touch heaven and heaven can respond to earth, and it's called prayer. Now, it can be, like we mentioned before, it can be very easy to lose the power of prayer in everyday life. We're just going to be honest. We're all busy. Every single one of us have full schedules, lots of responsibilities, whether it's work 
or school or a combination of the two or, or taking care of family uh, or thinking about what's coming ahead. We all have a lot to do. In, in the busyness of everyday life, it can be easy to lose sight of the importance and the power of prayer. And, and I would say for most, if not all of us in here, we're probably we're praying. We're, we're going to take some time to recognize uh, our need for God. And we're, we're going to, to, to take some time to, you know, set aside a, a moment in the morning and read a verse of scripture and maybe prayer before we leave the house. Or, or maybe it's before uh, we eat a meal. But in the busyness of life, a lot of times that prayer becomes the same thing. And we're praying for the same people in the same way. And we're saying the same words at the same time. And prayer is now just an exercise in religious rhetoric instead of the power of God that it actually is. If you're in a time of spiritual silence or in need of some direction towards God's purpose for you, can I say this to you? And I'm not, I am not, uh, uh, I'm not casting it as less important, but casual everyday prayer within the normal context of everyday life may not be enough. Just, just praying five minutes in the morning when you get up before you go to work, uh, just praying before you eat your meal, that is not enough if you're coming up against that, that roadblock, that, that mountain, that, that pole that's set way too high for you to get over by yourself. One of the reasons that we miss God working in our lives, one of the reasons why we don't hear him leading or we don't see him leading or hear him speaking is because we aren't in tune with spiritual things like we need to be. We're not in tune with spiritual things like we need to be. And, and there are parts of this world there are parts of the physical world as opposed to the spiritual world, the spiritual things that are important, that we need. Uh, you know, you need to go to work. That's important if you have a job. Uh, if you're in school, you need to go to class and do homework. That's important. Uh, if you have a family, you've got to provide for your family. That's important. Uh, for yourself, uh, eating, that's important. And thank goodness that it is, because I love to eat. Uh, and that's important. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to physical things, um, as opposed to spiritual things, and I'm not even saying that those physical things are bad. They can be things that are good for us and good to do, like we just mentioned. But when we don't set aside the cravings of the flesh or, or just our physical needs to seek answers in the spiritual realm, then we can't expect to be able to hear when God is speaking. We can't be able, uh, expect to be able to see when God is leading. Uh, we can't be able, uh, we can't expect to be able to act on what our spiritual antenna has not picked up if it's not being raised. Uh, there is a need for a higher level of spiritual connection. Uh, Matthew 17, 21, this is after Jesus has cast out a, a demon and he's talking to the uh, disciples about faith. And he says... Howbeit this kind goeth not out 
but by prayer and fasting. What's Jesus saying here? He says there is a need for a higher level of spiritual commitment. There is a need for a higher level of spiritual activity. Everyday, casual spiritual life, uh, and a lot of times that results in it being in our own power and our own ability, is not enough. There has to be another level. And so that's where we get into this idea of fasting. That's where why when most of the time uh, Jesus says it's by prayer and by fasting, the two of them together. Now, we know what prayer is. Uh, we know that's obviously speaking to God, that direct relationship with God. But there's something about coupling prayer with fasting, and we're going to talk about what that is in just a moment, uh, that seems to allow us to get on a higher spiritual plane with God, that allows us to be more in tune to spiritual things, that allows us to be able to hear when he's speaking and know when he is leading. So let me give you a few statements about fasting. Uh, I think we're going to be splitting this lesson up between two weeks, so we'll finish this next week, but I do want to give you these statements about fasting on the front of your handout right now. First of all, fasting is a deliberate abstinence from physical gratification of some kind for a period of time because of a greater spiritual need. Fasting is a deliberate abstinence from physical gratification of some kind for a period of time because of a greater spiritual need. Fasting is being able to say no to things that I want or need for a period of time. Uh, obviously, when we think of fasting, the first and most natural thing we think about is giving up food. And typically, that's what fasting has been, and, and has, uh, that's how it's been practiced, people giving up food, a meal, for a certain period of time. Um, and certainly, that's, that's one of the easiest ways to practice fasting, is to giving up food. And, and one of the reasons why uh, it is easy, and it is a good way to practice fasting, is because, like we said before, we all like to eat. And if you don't, you're a liar. Uh, if um, we, we need food, and, and physically we need it. And so to be able to say no to something that we want or need physically in order to be able to focus on the spiritual, that is fasting. And throughout Scripture, we read about God's people uh, who fasted when they were in those pivotal moments, those, those crisis moments when they needed uh, a spiritual breakthrough, uh, when they had gotten to a certain point spiritually and needed to go farther, when they had gotten to a, spirit, uh, a certain point where God had led them or God was speaking and they needed to know more, they needed to hear more. And we see them. Uh, fasting shows God that our need for him is greater than our need for something physical like food. Our need for God is greater than something physical uh, like food. Uh, I'm going to put these verses up on the screen so you don't have to turn there, but Ezra, in Ezra chapter number 8, says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substances. So Ezra and the people of Israel coming back to Israel to build up the temple and the, the city of Jerusalem, they're at a pivotal moment. They need God to lead. They need God to direct them. 
And so look at verse number 23. Uh, it says, so we fasted and besought uh, our God for this, and he was entreated of us. They needed God to lead. They needed more direction. Uh, we see this from uh, a lady called Anna in the book of Luke. Uh, when Jesus was born and he, his parents take him to the temple at the appropriate time and he meets an old man named Simeon and then he meets an old lady uh, named Anna. And the Bible says in verse 36, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about eight, uh, four score and four years, so 84 years. Now, people don't know if she was 84 or if she'd been a widow for 84 years. Either way, she was very old, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And so Anna was a lady who had gone through some serious uh, hard times, losing her husband uh, very early on in their marriage, only seven years of being married and now being widowed for this whole entire time. And, and she, in her mind, was looking for the Messiah. She wanted to know God's leading and God's directing. And so the Bible says that she served God with prayers and fastings. And then probably one of the greatest examples and, and, it, and it, at, at the same time, it doesn't really make sense. But one of the greatest examples to us, and I believe that's why he did it, one of the greatest examples is Jesus. In Matthew 4, right before Jesus is going to enter into his earthly ministry, right before he's going uh, to fulfill the purpose that God has for him of preaching the gospel and then eventually going to the cross, Jesus takes time uh, to fast. In verse number 1, it says, Then was Jesus led up into the wilderness, uh, to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward in hunger, and you would be too. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus as the man, also God, but as the man needed to be in tune spiritually with the Father here uh, on this earth. And so he said no to the physical. Now, it's interesting to me because then when the devil comes, the very first thing that he does is tempt Jesus with the physical. Verse 3, and when the tempter came to him, he said, Thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And if you could do it and you had not been eating for 40 days and 40 nights, you probably would have too. You would have been turning everything into bread and donuts and anything else that you could have eaten at the time. Look what Jesus says. Verse 4, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, Jesus understood there was a need for the spiritual that was greater than the need for the physical. There was a need for the spiritual that was more important than what he needed physically. Now, you think about maybe in your own life or just in the world in general, people skip meals, people say no to food, uh, on a regular basis. Most of the time, it's when there's something more important to do. You know, uh, people skip meals because of work. You know, maybe somebody's a businessman and they've got a big project that they're working on and they've just got to work, 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 work in order to be able to finish. This is huge. They can't waste time. So they skip a meal. They skip lunch. They don't go to dinner. Uh, they, they work through the night and skip breakfast. Uh, they skip a meal because there's something more important. Maybe, maybe you have a medical need and you, you, you can't eat, and that, that's important. So uh, you're skipping food because of that. Maybe, maybe you're on a diet, and, and, and that's important in order to be able to be healthy. And so people skip meals because there's something more important 
than their next meal. And when it comes to the spiritual, there's something more important than the next meal. If you are in a moment in your life, one of those pivotal moments, like Esther, where you've got to know what's coming next. You can't see what's coming next. There's a big old roadblock in the path. You can't get around it, you can't get over it, or you can't get uh, under it, you can't get through it. You need a spiritual boost to get over it. When we choose to fast, we deliberately show God that we're serious about getting his attention and that we're intently listening for his voice. Uh, Fasting, this is that next statement, fasting is intentionally choosing to place our hunger for God and our need for his intervention above any other need that we have in the physical realm at that time. Saying, God, I'm going to say no to something that I need or something that I can have. It's not wrong to eat. It's not wrong to have food. You need to take care of yourself. But when we say no to that, we say to God, you're more important than this. My need for you, my need for you to speak, my need for you to lead, my need for you to provide is more important than my need just to have a full stomach. We show God our hunger for him is above any other need. Uh, We just read those verses that uh, Jesus told the devil, thou uh, man shall not live by bread alone. Uh, Fasting shows God and our stomachs that his word and his speaking and his leading is more important uh, than food. And uh, let me show you one more verse, and then we'll get ready to, to close up today. The Bible says in Zechariah 7, 5, 6, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? And when ye did drink, and, or eat, and when ye did drink, did ye not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? What's God saying there to the people? He says, when you fast, that's spiritual. When you're eating, that's physical. Uh, I, I promise you, for the most part, unless you're, unless somebody's really not a good cook, uh, when you are eating something, you are eating for yourself. When you're eating something, you're eating it because you're hungry. You're eating it because it tastes good. You're eating it uh, because you want it. Now, again, if you're just trying to make somebody happy because they're a bad cook, that's a different story. Uh, but most of the time when you eat, it's for you. It's, and, and it's not that we're being selfish. It's, it's physical. It's, it's for us. And fasting, fasting is us saying no to us. And we've talked the past few weeks about sacrifice. Sacrifice. Uh, saying no to self. That's what fasting is. It's saying no to what we can and what we need to have physically so that we can be more in tune spiritually. 